God, change our lives. God, change our lives. For your glory we pray. B'shem Yeshua and everyone said, Amen. We're starting a new series of messages today, and it's entitled, Going Right in a Culture Gone Wrong. How many, do you, how many of us recognize that our culture is going really, really wrong rapidly? And there's going to be one or two things that happen. Either we are going to begin to acquiesce to our culture. I mean, we as the people of God, and, and trust me, friends, it's already begun to happen. Either we're going to acquiesce to our culture or we're going to do what we're designed to do is to live out a godly culture based on the foundation of the word of God. And that choice, frankly, is going to be up to you. And so today we're talking about building a godly home because I'll tell you a little phrase that came to me this morning, save the family Save the world. You've heard of that phrase right? in another context. Save the family and save the world. And I want to tell you that Satan is after our families. Satan is after our marriages. He wants to infiltrate into our children through the public education system. And he wants to instruct them in the ways of the world in ungodly ways. And guess what? If we don't have strong, godly homes built on the foundation of the word of God, we're going to be in a world of hurt. And our kids are going to be directionless. So I want to encourage you with all my heart to take note of today's message. There's going to be four messages in our series. Today, building a godly home. Next week, walking in purity before God. The third week, when you feel like a nobody going nowhere. And fourthly, grace relations. Friends, we look around at our society and we witness that the scriptural foundations that made our society flourish in times past, quite frankly, have been eroded. For instance, according to a GSS survey, listen, roughly half of young adults, 52%, say abortion should be legal in all or most cases. And that includes believing young adults. Young people are also considerably more likely than older people to say that homosexuality should be accepted. And I don't know, did anyone read the Parsha this week? It's called Kiddushim, Holy Ones. And Holy Ones, it addresses these very things in that Parsha. We could point to many reasons for this erosion, but at the top of the list is the erosion of our homes. Spirituality in our homes, specifically the erosion of a godly home. Without the strong foundation of a godly home, we produce rudderless children that have no absolutes and are tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine and every philosophy that comes from the world. The solution then is to get back to the firm foundation set before us in the word of God. Like any foundation, this requires some major excavation. It requires a whole lot of digging by hand when you build a foundation. Foundation is the hardest part of the building. Do you know what? When they build a skyscraper, do you know they spend months and months and months not going up, going down, digging a solid and strong foundation that will be able to support the weight of the building, not just in normal times, but the weight of the building when the wind and the hurricane comes, that that tall building will not topple. They dig down and deep and they get to bedrock 
and they anchor in the foundation on solid bedrock. I want to tell you that we need to dig down to the foundation, to the bedrock of the word of God, and that needs to be the standard in our homes. Listen to this letter a college student once wrote to her parents. Dear mom and dad, I'm so sorry to be so long in writing you. Unfortunately, all my stationery was destroyed the night our dormitory was set on fire by the demonstrators. I'm out of the hospital now, and the doctors say my eyesight should return sooner or later. The wonderful boy, Bill, who rescued me from the fire, kindly offered to share his little apartment with me until the dorm is rebuilt. He comes from a good family, so you won't be surprised when I tell you we're going to be married. In fact, since you've always wanted a grandchild, you'll be glad to know that you'll be grandparents in several months. Signed, your loving daughter. And as every parent gasps (laughs) in hearing that, it goes on, P.S. Please disregard the above practice in English composition. There was no fire. I haven't been in the hospital and I'm not pregnant and don't have a steady boyfriend. But I did get a D in French and an F in chemistry and I just wanted to be sure you received the news in proper perspective. We need to have a proper perspective when it comes to our priorities and the foundations we choose to build upon. Getting things in proper perspective is critically important as we take stock of our lives. Few could be more important than building a godly home. To do that, we must make it a personal priority. A personal priority. (laughs) As we begin, I want you to circle. We're going to read from Tehillim 101. And I want you to circle every phrase that has the personal pronoun I. If you do that, and and each I that describes an action point, if, 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 if you'll add one my phrase to that, you'll have circled 12 phrases that give us action points to to do. So let's read that together. I will sing of your love and justice. To you, Lord, I will sing praise. I will be careful to lead a blameless life. When will you come to me? I will conduct the affairs of my house with a blameless heart. I will not look with approval on anything that is vile. I hate what faithless people do. I will have no part in it. The perverse of heart shall be far from me. I will have nothing to do with what is evil. Whoever slanders their neighbor in secret, I will put to silence. Whoever has haughty eyes and a proud heart, I will not tolerate. My eyes will be on the faithful in the land that they may dwell with me. The ones whose walk is blameless will minister to me. No one who practices deceit will dwell in my house. No one who speaks falsely will stand in my presence. Every morning I will put to silence all the wicked in the land. I will cut off every evildoer from the city of the Lord. It's a powerful little um, psalm. But this is the foundation. Whatever your role in the family, this is your responsibility. If you're the father, building a godly home will obviously require a personal commitment. What am I talking about? A personal commitment to prayer. I want to say this, fathers and mothers, you're responsible for your children. If your children don't know how to pray, that's your responsibility. Bible reading. If your children don't know the Bible, that's your responsibility. Worship. If your children 
don't know how to worship God, that's your responsibility. Congregational participation. Not congregational attendance. Congregational participation. If your kids don't participate in the community of God, that is your responsibility. Because, friends, we can't wonder, gee, how come I sent my kid off to college and they went astray? If we don't build their lives on the strong foundation of biblical truth. Guys, Shabbat. I marvel that there are folks that come to a Messianic Jewish synagogue every week that don't keep Shabbat. That Shabbat is not a special day to them. They don't light candles in their home and say prayers Friday night and begin to focus and separate from the world and set aside that day for God. Friends, you know, we need to be and model this before our children. But I'll tell you what, if mother doesn't make it a priority, dad will have a tough time getting the job done. Just as he would have a tough time, she would have a tough time without him. If mom and, mom and dad aren't on the same page. Guys, I could tell you how many times I hear this from people. Oh, I want to raise the kids strong in faith, but, you know, someone else doesn't want to. Or we're not on the same page. Friends, we need to be on the same page. And it, it's, it's really easy to get on the same page, right? Because this is the page. It's the word of God. The word of God is where we take our marching orders. If mom and dad are not on the same page, building a godly home will be virtually impossible For one will tear down what the other tries to build. Hear that. Because we see it all the time. People are trying to build up godliness. And the other one wants to tear it down. So I would suggest get on the same page mom and dad. And then instill these things. Build it. It's intentional friend. You don't see a skyscraper and say boy it just happened. They just, it just, it appeared, no, that requires planning and diligence and a ton of work to build a foundation, to build a building upon. The same is true for a godly home. It takes a ton of work. It takes dedication. It takes diligence. It takes focus to build a godly home. Every child, every family member, even the family member that has come to live with the family, has a responsibility in building a godly home. Children need to respect their parents enough to take the lead from their parents. But you know where that comes from? Building a godly home to begin with. It's hard to take a kid at 18 now and try to instill these things in them. That's why the scripture tells us, and we, did, we, say, we said it today in the Vahafta, right? To teach this to your children... And the word there in the Hebrew is impress upon them. Not suggest to them. If you want to do it, do it. It says impress upon them. I tell my kids all the time, if you get one thing right in life, it better be this one. God first. If you get one thing right in your life, No, it comes before education. It comes before your vocation. It comes before making money or having a wife and kids. The first thing that you got to get right in your life is God first. If you get that right, everything else will fall into place. It has to be that way. Yeshua said it this way. That if we do not build our house upon the rock, when the storms come and blow upon that house, what happens? That house that is built on sand just gets knocked down and swept away. It's only the house that is built on the solid rock of the word of God. Friends, I know it takes a lot of effort, but it's well worth it in the end.
I want to encourage you today. Don't take the easy way out. And friends, listen to me. The title of today's series, right, is Going Right in a Culture Gone Wrong. The world is ready to jump in and to teach your kids. They're ready to do it. They're ready to teach your kids, and they already do, things that are the opposite of your convictions. But if you don't sit your kids down and impress upon your kids that this is right and this is wrong, know what they say? Well, mom and dad sent me to school, so it must be okay with them. And unless you clarify that in your household, you're going to have your hands full, and you're not going to like what you see. If you're a single living alone, guess what? If you are a single living alone, this message is for you. It will take all the commitment and dedication you can muster to establish and maintain a godly home. This is an all-hands-on-deck situation. If we are to change the trends in our families and in our world, we better make a decision. We sang it today. As for me and my house, right? We will serve you, Lord. No, that's just not a nice little ditty we sing. That's a reality based on the truth of the word of God. It comes from Joshua. When he said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord our God. And he challenged Israel to do the same. Choose this day whom you will serve and serve him. Listen to this from 1 Corinthians. It was written to the Messianic community at Corinth. Or don't you know that the unrighteous, hear that, Think of what's going on in the news this week. Don't you know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Friend, I don't know about you. Do we need any more motivation than that? The unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Don't be deceived. The sexually immoral idolaters, adulterers, those who practice homosexuality, thieves, the greedy, drunkards, slanderers, swindlers, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. That's a sobering truth, isn't it? But look what he says to us. He doesn't stop there, thank God. He says, that is what some of you were. You used to be that. But you were washed. You were made holy, Kedoshim. You were set right in the name of the Lord Yeshua, the Messiah, by the Ruach, of our God. Now listen to me. God set us right. That doesn't mean though we, we, we get to now take a vacation from our responsibilities in keeping it right. And I'll tell you what I've seen many, many times in families. Wave at me if you have kids. Having children is an arduous process. It is constant. It is 24-7. And I know, because I have a couple, that it seems like sometimes you want to just let them do what they want to do. But mom and dad, I want to tell you, that is dangerous. They are children for a reason, is that they do not know what to do. And if you don't impress upon it at every turn, I can't tell you the things I have conversations with my kids about. Everything. 
everything they see, everything they hear, every news thing that comes through the TV, they have a question for. And let me tell you, I can't just check out on them and say I don't want to be bothered. It is a 24-7 job of instructing and teaching and training and molding and shaping. If you're single, the world wants to influence you at your workplace. It wants to tell you what's right and what's wrong. It wants to label you extreme by believing the word of God. It wants to tell you to be silent about the truths and the righteousness that the word of God expresses. And if you don't fight against that, yes, we are like salmon swimming upstream. Yes, it would be easier just to let go and let the current take us where it wills. But I want to tell you, that is not the calling of God on our lives. What do you think we did last night? We began the Sabbath, right? The Sabbath is a day of separation. To say that we're different, we're separated from everyone else. We're not like everybody else. We're separated unto God. To live righteously, to live by his ways, by his rules, by his teaching. That we're not like everyone else. We're different. We're kedoshim. We're holy ones set apart for God. If everything that I'm saying is true, and I know it is because I could give you a chapter and verse. Just read the portion from this week. We must make godliness in our homes a priority. You hear me? A priority. The things that are important to us are the things that take priority, aren't they? Of course they are. Do you know what? I've said this all along, and I thought about this let me tell you a little, a little revelation moment I had. My wife and I discuss our finances together, but she's the keeper of the checkbook. Okay? She doesn't do things without me, and I don't do things without her. We're on the same page. Every purchase, every bill, everything we're going to take on, it's a, a joint junction. But she does the checkbook. But the other day, I had a doctor's appointment, and she gave me the checkbook because I needed to make my copay. And as I'm sitting there, you know, waiting endlessly at the doctor's office, you know, for a five-minute appointment, you wait four hours, I was just thumbing through the checkbook. And in the checkbook, you know, it has, you know, you open it up, and there's what, like 10 columns in every single thing in my checkbook, either 8 out of 10 or 7 out of 10 checks were written to Beth Emanuel. Beth Emanuel, Wednesday and Sunday, Wednesday and Saturday, Wednesday and Saturday, Wednesday and Saturday, Wednesday and Saturday, Wednesday and Saturday. And I've said this before, but it came to light when I was looking at my own checkbook. You want to know where a person's treasure is? Look at their checkbook. It's true, right? You see people's priorities in the things that they make a priority. What I'm saying to us is we need to perhaps reorient our lives and make God our top priority. Because I'll tell you what, money doesn't mean anything to me to give it to God is my absolute pleasure and joy because his kingdom is the only kingdom that will live forever and to eternity. The kingdom of men will crumble, will perish, will rot and rust and destroy. The kingdom of God will last forever. And so when we invest in the kingdom of God in kingdom principles in our children that God has entrusted to us, See, we think wrongly that they're our kids. 
Newsflash, mom and dad. I don't know if you remember having your dedication of your child. That child was dedicated unto the Lord. You are a mere steward of them. What are you telling them is important in their lives? Colossians 1 says, we continually ask God, and I ask this for you now. Ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. That's what's the most important thing in our life. You remember the writer of Kohelet in chapter 12? After all his searching, he said, this is the whole meaning and purpose of man. Fear God and keep his commandments. This was a wealthy man. This was a guy that could do anything he wanted. He read all the books, got all the wisdom, had all the money, had all the wine, women, and song, had everything his heart could desire, and he summed it up at the end of his days and to say, this is what it's about. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Friend, we are making bad decisions when we put other things first. And I know what you're thinking. But, but Rabbi, does that mean I have... No, what it means is everything else, when you put God first, everything else in your life, that means your relationship with your spouse, your relationship with your kids, and the things that you do. I understand that you don't come to the shul every single day and daven for nine hours and go home. That's not what it's about. It's about putting God first as a priority. When you put God first as a, as a priority, every single other thing you do in life will be so sweet and enjoyable. Your family time will be blessed. Your recreation time will be sweet to your soul and a joy to behold. When you put God first, he blesses every other. See, God is not a cosmic killjoy. The scripture says he gives us all things, say all things, to enjoy. Nature, even food, which I'm, I'm, I'm down for that, <laughs> gives us all things to enjoy. But he's got to be first. Secondly, intentional action. Verse 2 of Tehillim said this. I will be careful to lead a blameless life. Now listen to me, because I know some of you. You're going to put the, the emphasis on a blameless life, a purpose life, a, a, a perfect life, and you're going to go, Oi, oi, I can't be perfect. Oi, what a drudge. Oh, what did the rabbi put on me? A perfect life. Oh, my Oh, I can't do it. Oh, my gosh, I'm so imperfect. I can't do it. That's what you're going to do, because I know you. But instead of putting the emphasis on a blameless life, the emphasis should be on the first part of the sentence. I will be careful. Every one of us could be careful. Every one of us, yeah, we're going to make our mistakes and our foibles and our trip-ups. But if we could purpose in our heart to be careful, we'll be a better version of ourselves day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year. Don't emphasize perfect. Emphasize careful. I mean, do you, if you don't want to be careful, then give me a checkbook. I'll be careless with your checkbook. Anyone want to sign up? Give me No, no, because you're careful with that, aren't you? But God is saying, be careful to live your life in general. Be careful in everything. Be careful. 
No home is a perfect place. You want to know why? Because it's filled with imperfect people like us. Come to my house. It's not perfect. But I'll tell you what it is. It tries to be careful. And last night, we had Gary over for Shabbat dinner. He came over and witnessed a regular Shabbat dinner at our house. And we're singing, and we're having fun, and we're eating challah, and we're having jokes, and we're having, it's a great time. A little Shabbat service on the TV while all of it's going on, filled with the joy of the Lord. My kids love Shabbat. They love singing the songs of the Lord. Let me tell you why. Not because I started yesterday, because that's the way it's been always. Be careful. You see, you're going to make progress and you're going to be well on your way to establishing a godly home when you're careful. The uh, psalmist asked the question, when will you come to me? And he's speaking about God. God, when will you come to me? And the answer is right here. When you're careful, when you're intentional in taking steps to make your home godly. That's when God comes to us. That attracts God. When you're careful, when he sees you trying to do the right things. God will indeed show up when we're careful, when we take care to avoid the landmines of temptation, sin, greed, wrong attitudes, and violence. Then our homes will take on the air of godliness that we desire. Verse 2 also says, I will walk in my house with a blameless heart. How many of you have ever taken that scripture literally? I will walk in my house with a blameless heart. Have you ever taken, um, this could be life-changing. If we literally walk through our homes, listen to me. We might immediately see some things that need to be changed. Things that need to be done in order to make our homes more godly. Maybe there's a picture that needs to come down, a book that needs to go. An attitude that needs to be challenged. I know we want it, we listen, we want to sing Kumbaya by the lake, right? But the truth is in our families, can I tell you, having a couple of kids only, and I know some of you have more than me, If I don't challenge my kids a dozen times a day, I don't challenge them once. It's my job to challenge them on the things that come out of their mouth, the thoughts that they express if they're not correct. And I don't mean in their opinion. They could have their opinion. But when their opinion differs from the word of God, it will be challenged. And they will be pointed back to the word of God to take a second look at it because if their opinion is straying off the path of God, then it needs to be corrected and it needs to be corrected immediately. The sooner it's corrected and challenged. I know we don't want to have confrontation in our house, but I want to tell you that you need to walk about your house and make sure things are in order. How about that TV, folks, huh? But if each member of the family isn't committed to building a godly home, it won't work. It won't happen. You need to be committed. Are you willing to be careful and intentional in your home? The scripture says, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Hear that. Be doers of the word. Guys, the the world wants to infiltrate our lives and tell us, I don't know about you, I don't want my daughter going to a bathroom and finding a guy that says identify as a girl in the bathroom. Guess what? If that ever happened in our country, my kids will never go to a public bathroom. Period. That's that. There is right and there is wrong. And I'm going to tell you, we are coming rapidly upon a day that when you say right is right and wrong is wrong, hey, 
just recently heard of a synagogue inviting two men who are about to be married up to the bima. And what was spoken over them was the ironic blessing. Friend, I don't care who you are, rabbi, president, chief of the world, you cannot bless what God has cursed. You cannot bless what God has cursed. I don't care what word you use. It could be from the very word of God. If God has cursed it, it cannot and will not be blessed. But that is the state of our world. And we are living in the days where good is being called evil and evil is being called good. And you and I have a decision to make. We're either going to go along with it because we don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. And not that I want to hurt someone's feelings. But I'll tell you what I do want to do. I want to stand up for truth. We could tell that God is not hurting our feelings when he tells us the truth. He is empowering our lives to flourish like he designed them to. He's not hurting our feelings and stepping on our toes. He's instructing us in ways that lead to a prosperous life, spirit, soul, and body. And if we don't stand up, folks, we will be overrun. Our families will be overrun. Our children will be overrun. And then we're going to sit there, be left holding the bag. Because one day you and I are going to stand before a holy God. And I know we think, I don't know what people think. I had a family member, he always liked to put it this way, that he's going to see Yeshua and give him a big pat on the back. When I see the Shaliach Yochanan who saw the resurrected Messiah, it said he fell as a dead man at the awe of his holiness. And when we stand before God, God is going to say, okay, give account to your ways. What are you going to say? Oh, the world told me to do it that way, so that's how I did it. The world said it was okay. The president of the United States said I had to do it this way. There's no one in God's green earth that can tell me where to go to the bathroom. They can do whatever they want. But my family could go to the bathroom in a place that's safe to go to the bathroom. You know what I'm saying? Could associate with people who are living holy. And let me tell you this. We love homosexual people and trans and transgender people. Absolutely positively from the bottom of our heart. You want to know why? Because they're people, they're lost sheep without a shepherd. They're deceived by the evil one in thinking that they were born like that. And God wants us to tell them the truth in love, in compassion, and say that there's a way, there's a great testimony. Look him up. His name is Dennis Jernigan. Remember that name, Dennis Jernigan. He lived a homosexual lifestyle until he came to faith in Yeshua. Now he has about a dozen kids and ministers to other homosexuals showing them that there's a better way. A way that is blessed by God. Intent means a determination to act in a certain way. Are you intentional about building a godly home. It means fixity of purpose. It means firm determination marked by boldness and steadiness. That's where it gets us, doesn't it? The steadiness. Because you just want to give up. The steadiness. You just want to give up. But we stopped doing Shabbat because the kids weren't interested. So... This is the way we do it, whether they're interested or not. 
And I'll tell you what, when you impart and impress, they're going to grow up to follow your lead. That's what the scripture says. Train a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. It will become part of their DNA. Since intentional action takes effort, let's consider these verses. Listen to these verses. Lazy hands make a man poor, but diligent hands bring wealth. Diligent hands will rule, but laziness ends in slave labor. Think of that in context to our society. Diligent hands will rule, but laziness ends in slave labor. The enemy will take a slave and captive to his will if we're not diligent to impress the ways of God upon our own personal life and our personal home and our children. And if we're not diligent to impress it upon our own kids, the enemy will be very happy to impress his morality on our kids. I know, I don't know. This is, this is turning out to be a Brussels sprouts type of message, huh? But Brussels sprouts are good for you. Lazy, a lazy man does not roast his game, but the diligent man prizes his possessions. The sluggard craves and gets nothing, but the desires of the diligent are fully satisfied. Listen to this last one. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Do you get what I'm saying? To be intentional takes diligence, determination, purposeful, effort. Just don't let it go because it's difficult. The the most satisfying things in life are the things that are the most challenging. Someone say amen or oh my, either one. I have three more things. So buckle your seatbelts, I got to get it done in 10 minutes. Be mindful of worship. Listen to this quote. Worship is the submission of all our nature to God. It is the quickening of Conscience by his holiness, the nourishment of mind with his truth, the purifying of imagination by his beauty, the opening of the heart to his love, the surrender of will to his purpose, and all of this gathered up in adoration, the most selfless emotion of which our nature is capable and therefore the chief remedy for that self-centeredness which is our original sin and the source of all actual sin. Worship is the submission of all our nature to God. Yes, your nature perhaps walked in today and did not feel like worshiping God. Know what worship says? I don't care what my nature wants. It will submit to the truth of God and I will lift up my voice And give him praise because he is worthy. And I'll tell you what happens. When I make that decision and and, and are purposeful, the rest of my being falls into line. David said it, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me, bless his holy name. David didn't always feel like blessing God, especially when he was being hunted by Shaul. And surrounded by angry men. But he said, bless the Lord, O my soul. And forget not all his benefits. In verse 1, there's a proclamation that says, I will sing praise. Do you know there's a clear connection between the music we listen to and the actions we take? There is a recent study by the Rand Corporation that followed more than 1,400 teens for three years showed that, listen to this, sexually charged lyrics had a direct impact on the sexual actions of those who listened to the lyrics. The study compared all kinds of music and found that rap and rap metal music, famous for their explicit lyrics, had the worst impact 
on those teens. So the things that you listen to impact your actions. Does that take does that take a brain surgeon to figure that out? Isn't that common sense? When you put good stuff in, good stuff comes out. Do you think we could put garbage in and get beautiful things out? No. And I want to know, I'm going to show you how powerful music is. Ready? You finish the statement. Plop, plop, fizz, fizz. How do you know that? That's the end. Wow. Okay. Colorado Rooter, that's the name. Like a good neighbor. Oh, I wish I weren't. To all beef patty special sauce. How do you know those things? You know those things because they were put to a jingle, to a little melody, and by hearing it and hearing it and hearing it, it becomes, look, when's the last time you did to all beef patty special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on a sesame seed bun? I remember hearing that when I was a kid. And I remembered it when I was reading yesterday. I remembered it as like it was yesterday. Because music is powerful in reminding us of the message that music is a vehicle. It's a delivery system for a message. And that's why God uses music to minister to our hearts. That's why we have a whole book of the Bible called Tehillim. It is the praise book of Israel. And if you notice, when you read Tehillim and it says on, and it'll give the instrument that it's upon, that these things were sung to an instrument because God knows that music is a delivery system to our soul. And you know who else knows that? Satan knows that. And the world knows that. And that's why they put things to jingles so that I haven't heard these things for 25 years. And when I read them, I could finish every sentence and I knew the melody that went with it. Now, take ungodly music and play it in your house. And the message that it's about, guess what happens? Music is a delivery system for a message. Just saying. Listen to this quote from C.S. Lewis. I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses, hear this, but completes the enjoyment. I want to say that again. I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses. See, we think we're just giving expression. No, when we praise God, it completes the enjoyment. It is its appointed consummation. If it were possible for a created soul fully to appreciate, that is to love and delight in the worthiest object of all, and simultaneously at every moment to give this delight perfect expression, then that soul would be in supreme blessedness. To praise God fully, we must suppose ourselves to be in perfect love with God, drowned in, dissolved by that delight which, far from remaining pent up within ourselves as incommunicable bliss, flows out from us incessantly again in effortless and perfect expression. Our joy is no more separable from the praise in which it liberates and utters itself than the brightness a mirror receives is separable from the brightness it sheds.
Do you know God over and over and over again encourages us to praise him? Do you know it's not for him? It's for us. When we praise God, okay, it fulfills the very reason we were created. We become one with God. There's a connection to God that can be found in nothing else. Fill your heart and mind with songs that bring God glory and help keep our homes on a godly path. Four, I got a minute each. Be mindful of what your eyes view. Verse three says, I will put no vile thing before my eyes. I'm gonna just say it this way. You see that TV you got in your house? Be careful what you allow your eye to see. The eye gate is powerful. You ever hear the expression, can't unsee that? You can't unsee certain things, right? They get seared on our minds. Be careful what you take in through your eye gate. It's not only through the TV. The amount of violence and perversion that's on that TV, you better be careful. And then guess what? You, here, here's the thing is, the TV, TV can be a tool for recreation. But a tool, right, is mastered by the one wielding the tool. The tool doesn't have a mind of its own and does not aimlessly do whatever it wants. If it's a tool, you control it. The other area that we need to control, what we view, is through that internet Can I tell you that internet has got more men in trouble than anything else I know because they have little pop-ups with ladies and little things and little things. Let me tell you what this is what you need to do. You need to get yourself accountable. Accountability is a good thing. And for men, I'm going to give you a suggestion. Don't be up at all hours of the night on the internet where you're going to be tempted to do wrong things and see things you shouldn't, you have no business looking at. Get yourself accountable. I've had several men come to me wanting to be accountable to this, in this area, and there's believing systems that allow you to be accountable. It filters your computer and it sends a message to an accountability partner if you go to a certain site that should be off limits to you. And I've done this with people. And I'll get the notice that someone went to a site that was maybe questionable. And I will hold them accountable and talk to them and say, you know what, I got an email about some place you went on the internet. Why don't you tell me about that? Oh, it was just such and such and that, and it was all good. Oh, great. Accountability. It's good to be accountable. Husbands, be accountable to your wives. Yeah, that's why they were given to us, accountability. Got to be careful, folks. What do you think Yeshua would say of the internet? How about video games, guys? What do you allow your kids to play with? Remember back in the day when kids got things like erector sets? They build things in Legos. Now they get videos filled with blood and gore and violence. Just a thought. Be careful what you see. And then lastly, and, and here's the thing. Romans 12 says this. Listen to me, everyone. This is the word of God. Do not be conformed to this world. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by testing you may discern what is the will of God. What is good and acceptable and perfect. Don't be conformed. Because guess what? Because it's for sale at Walmart for two bucks. Doesn't mean we should have it. Right? Only if it complies 
to my will. I know, we love the dollar stores. Who doesn't? But it's still got to be, we got to be in charge of what we take in, amen? And then lastly, fulfilling and godly friendships. Verse 6 has one of the most important instructions in all of Scripture. Look what it says. My eyes will be on the faithful in the land, that they may dwell with me. He whose walk is blameless will minister to me. Here we have a God-given instruction to surround your family with friends who will bring laughter and godliness into your home. The scripture says, bad company, finish it for me, corrupts good character. Is that what it says? Let me say it again. It says, bad company corrupts good character. I always marvel that it doesn't say it the other way around. Right? It doesn't say good character influences the bad, does it? No, it says bad company corrupts the good. It also says don't be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. Because when you buddy up with an unbeliever, just like an unequally yoked animal, the lesser animal drags down the healthy. Did you know that? You never see the healthy animal dragging the sickly one around. It's always the opposite. The scripture says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers because they will drag you down. They will influence I know what you're thinking. Now, that doesn't mean you can't influence unbelievers. Yes, you can. Yeshua did. He hung out with publicans and sinners for this purpose to instruct them in the word of God. He didn't hang out with them to have a brewski. Do you know what I'm saying? He didn't hang out with them because he liked their lifestyle and decided to throw in with them to watch the game. No, he hung out with them to tell them the good news and then he recoiled back with his mishpacha. Because if you get yoked up with unbelievers... They will influence you, and little by little by little, I've seen it a million times. Little by little by little, you become more and more like them. Next thing you know, you're not really interested in spiritual things. The next thing you know, you find yourself going places you would have never gone three years ago. Next thing you know, "Ah, a little wine's okay. Okay, maybe a little whiskey. Okay, what's wrong with going to the bar every once in a blue moon? Oh, so I chat with uh, some man on the internet. We're just friends. Because the people you hang out with eventually influence you. You got to be careful. That's why God created a community of Israel that was separate, that was safe, that lived by his standards. I want to read this verse. I'm going to close. Don't be mad at me today. The rabbi loves you. I thought about you guys all week because I want you to get this because I want your life to be blessed. And I know that I know that I know all hell is breaking loose against our families. All hell. And if we don't stand strong and resist it, I fear what's going to happen. Let me just close your eyes and just listen to every word of this verse of scripture. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership is there between righteousness and lawlessness? Or what fellowship does light have with darkness? What harmony does Messiah have with the devil? Or what part does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement does God's temple have with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. 
Just as God said, I will dwell in them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says Aronai. Touch no unclean thing. Then I will take you in. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says Aronai Tzivaot. That's a powerful verse of scripture. Touch no unclean thing. Come out from them and be separate. When you make building a godly home a priority, I'm not going to lie to you, it will cost you dearly. You'll have to watch what you watch. And you may not see as much as you used to, but you can change. And with the help of godly friends, you could build a godly home and pass down a godly inheritance that will stand the fires of time so you can pass down an inheritance of godliness. This is what I want us to do. I want everyone to stand up. The scripture says this. If you are unwilling to obey the Lord, then decide today whom you will obey. Will it be the gods of your ancestors beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites here in this land? But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. I want to ask you by an act of just obedience to God, if you Say, Rabbi, as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. I want you guys to come forward. If you're a single person family, God, I will serve the Lord. I will serve you. doesn't matter if everyone comes up. It's just an action of saying, God, I am willing, and I want to serve you first and foremost. As for me and my house, we're going to serve God. I want to tell you God sees this. God knows it's not easy, but God is blessed when we as his people say, make declarations of faith that I'm going to serve the living God, serve him only. I'm going to do what it takes to make sure my life is right before God. I'm going to clean house where I need to clean house. I'm going to tweak my lifestyle where it needs to tweak. I'm going to remove stinking thinking where it needs to be removed. Amen? All a good thing. Let's just bow our hearts and pray. Our Father, our King, Abba, you see each one. You know every heart. You know every home, every family, every child, every spouse. Father, you know where we're strong, and God, you know where we're weak. Father, you know where we excel, and you know, Lord, where we have, Lord, been tempted with wrong things, and where our heart has failed, and God, you see it all. But Lord, today we declare to you, first of all, God, we ask, Lord, for forgiveness, where we have failed. God, we ask for your mercy and your compassion to come upon our lives because we have failed. But Lord, we stand before you today and we ask for your help. Lord, we are deciding, we are choosing today to serve you. Not just us, but our families. Lord, we're choosing and deciding, Lord God, to make it a priority in our lives to live rightly before you. Hineni, here we are. Father, I pray, God, that you would grace each heart, each family member, each person. Abba, that you would pour down, God, a measure of grace that would enable and empower each one. Lord, that you would give each one the power to will and to do your good pleasure. Father, it's not easy to live separate from the world, but God, you've called us to that. 
And Lord, you promised that you would help us. And so God, we elicit your help right now. Help us in our weakness. Help us in our frailty. Strengthen us, God, where we're weak. And empower us to live for you always. For us, our family and our household. For all generations. And God's people said, Amen. 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 God is faithful, amen. Stretch forth your hand. Shalom. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Father, I pray, Lord, that your peace that transcends understanding would be upon your people. Lord, that you would grace their hearts like never before and bless their lives. And we ask it in Yeshua's name. And God's people said, Amen. Baruch Hashem. Shabbat Shalom. Thanks for listening and coming. We'll see you on Wednesday. Amen.